When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The Sports Complex with Patrick Davis of the Horn. Hour two of the Sports Complex on a Wednesday afternoon here on the Horn. Going to get some more of your text, 512-337-3776. The show is much more fun when you guys are involved. Sending me texts, what you want to talk about, what you got on the big fat poll today, all that. 512-337-3776. We'll get to more of those. We'll get to some NFL talk. There is some breaking news. Breaking news in the NFL. I don't know how big it is, but there's some breaking news in the NFL. Uh, we'll get to that as well. And, uh, you know, maybe we'll get some MLB. Maybe we'll get some more uh Texas football talk as we get ready for Baylor. Getting to all that here in hour two. A full hour here on the Sports Complex. The Rangers have already played. The Astros have already played. Mariners have already played. So uh, we get you a full hour here on the second hour. Like we'll give you tomorrow a full hour on the second hour here on the Sports Complex. Uh, Getting back to some of you guys' texts. Talking about, we asked you uh, what facet of play do you, for Texas do you most want to see improved this weekend? Uh, you still need to improve things. You're only in week four. You still got to improve. If you want to get to a point, I know you're number three in the country, but you can tell by the line that if Vegas isn't convinced that you're the number three team in the country, that you're not there yet, you know, you made your favorite every game. But a Big 12 opponent like Baylor, who does has not looked great, like to see it a little bit better. Uh, my man, Nate, I'd like to see consistent scoring throughout the game. Populate the scoreboard. I would too. I would really enjoy seeing a populated scoreboard. Uh, you know, they have been playing great in the fourth quarter. They've had two games, uh, in this, in the past two weeks with, with 21 points scoring the fourth quarter. That's 42 points in the fourth quarter. I think it took them like week nine or 10 last year to get to, uh, get to 40, uh, 42 points in the fourth quarter uh, throughout all of like, it was like week eight or nine where they finally got to that many points scored in the fourth quarter collectively throughout the season last year uh, because they just were not a good second-half team. They were not a, definitely not a good fourth-quarter team last season, so that is a great benefit, but you still got to play four quarters, all four of them, and you don't want to leave it up to chance that you're still going to find that energy in the fourth quarter. We've seen it with the Astros uh, this season. To draw the analogy, the Astros – Basically, uh, for a lot of the season, we're relying on you know getting hits on the bullpen. All along, as long as we can get through the, you know, we'll just have smart at bats and get to the bullpen. And once we get to the bullpen, we'll put up numbers. And now they're getting a little bit later in the year. The smart at bats aren't is doing as well. And then you're, once they get to the bullpen, they're not doing making the same amount of damage. So they're having issues right now. They get the win today, walk it off today, but. They're having issues, and that's what you see at Texas. As the season progresses and teams start to figure out and figure out your trends, and we know Sark, we're still not, I'm still not 100% that Sark is the best second-half coach of all time. So we want to see that. We want to see the four-quarters improvement. Uh, we want to see if, if Texas establishes a running game early, we win. But have you seen the Texas O-line push the opposing defensive line yet? 
Uh, I, I haven't seen them push him too much. I know this O-line is getting better, and I know that we've seen it a little bit when we get to the fourth quarter. They, we've seen them push them to get the lines open. We haven't seen the pancake world where they're just shoving through guys where you'd like to see them at, especially against the Rice, especially against the Wyoming. You're not going to do it against Bama as much. We have seen them impose their will in the fourth quarter against Bama. We have seen them impose their will in the fourth quarter against Wyoming and, and let Jonathan Brooks just kind of go downhill on guys, open up big holes, push guys where they need them to go. But I agree with you. You'd like to see this O-line take that next step forward as the season progresses to be one of the most veteran O-lines, a O-line that returns so many players to be able to keep pushing forward. And a part of it is where you know you just have to keep running the ball early to keep those defenders and keep everybody on their back and their heels and let them get beat up. And you know you talk about those offensive line battles of if you continually in pass coverage, you're having to step back. You're having to be on your your toes, and you're trying to not get knocked on your heels as an offensive lineman, it, it sucks to do that the entire game and never get your chance to necessarily push forward. So you would like to see the, the O-line get a little bit, you know, get those shots to push forward. And, you know, sometimes you get those on screens, but you have to be careful because, you know, the man downfield, we saw that in the Alabama game when uh, Milrose uh, scrambled too much and we saw the man downfield. But I like it. I like seeing the uh, getting the running game early. Not allow it. Not so. We saw John the Brooks could do it. So hopefully, CJ Baxter will be back. I'm sure we'll know more about that tomorrow. Uh, but yeah, I'd like to see them establish that a little bit earlier. You know, get get you know have 60, 70 rushing yards in the first half at least, as opposed to putting up 110 in the second half because you're just now running the clock and you've got everything going. See the passing. I know we're going to want to throw deep. Had a couple good ones against Alabama and Wyoming. Uh, Rice, even though short ones were terrible. So hopefully the aim and everything will be better. Quinn yours, I agree. And a lot of people, that is where we're going is uh, with Rice is or with, with Quinn yours is, are they going to be able to, is Quinn yours going to be the guy we saw against Alabama every week? Or are we going to see a different player? Is he going to be able to figure out the defenses? There are a couple of pieces of kryptonite for Quinn yours that basically every team is going to be able to run in the big 12. That's what we want to see. Can you beat, can, can Quinn Ewers beat his kryptonite, which is three safeties? Can he beat all the things Rob Babers always talks about, all those different disguising and all that other defenses? Can Quinn Ewers beat those? That's what we want to see. We'll get to Chan. He, Chan's got a few for me here. Offense one, stay ahead of the chains. So offensive, stay ahead of the chains, improve on short passing, maintain the running game, and defensively, no big plays. Uh, make Baylor be patient, bend but don't break. Texas can, should win by tw- 10 offensively no turnovers, and he is concerned. Don't be as concerned, Chan. I feel we, we're in a good place here. We're in a good place. You want to see – you I, and I, we've got a couple of people that says let's drop passes. I agree with that as well. Uh, you know, that's something if you want to get Quinn in a rhythm, dropping passes is one of the worst things for quarterbacks. It takes a lot to get out of it. I think Quinn is doing well of going to the sideline and regrouping, uh, but in a drive, he, I don't think he's quite at the place in a drive – to be able to have to to have a drop and then bounce right back and throw it right back to that guy and feel confident about it. And it's just really hard. That's next level stuff. So I, you know, I, I think that you're right that uh, less drop passes on this one as well. I think that that is going to be a big issue as well. It's crazy how many things we are discussing that need to be improved. And when I ask you what's the one thing, there's a lot. There's a lot that Texas still needs to work on. Being the number three team in the country, it doesn't quite feel like it, does it? 
I know it doesn't quite feel like they're the number three team in the country this year, and I don't know why it doesn't, but I think it's because you, we have been we've been so beaten down as Texas fans that there is this worry that this is all kind of a mirage and, and the Alabama game didn't matter as much. I don't think that's true. I think Texas is progressing right where they're supposed to be. They're right in line. It, the question is, are is it this year, or do you have to kind of rebuild with some new guys because JT Sanders goes pro and Jalen Ford goes pro and, and Xavier Worthy goes pro and you start to rebuild, or are you going to be able to do it with these guys? Can we just do better than Texas State? We're doing better than Texas State. I get it. I get it. We're doing better than Texas State. Uh, we're playing Texas State would have lost by sixty to Alabama. I you just I like I think they're doing well. Love and support. I'm happy for Texas State that they're they're doing well right now. But I, I'm not going to give them that. I'm not going to give them that full credit that they're doing better than Texas. Uh, I think they're coming out and playing strong though. They they are there. There's a different point of games too where you're allowing guys to play. We'll talk about Justin Fields in just a second. But there is something of Texas really trying to minimize uh, mistakes early on this, early in the season. I think as we see as this season goes further, there will be a little bit more looseness in this Texas team as coaches start to let them play a little bit more. Right now, there's so much in trying to figure out and trying to make sure everybody is prepared for what they know is coming up. I think all of that stuff. We we cannot. We're not going to talk about disgraced, disgraced. Baylor coaches. I'm aware the disgraced Baylor coaches exist. We're not going to talk about them, though. We're not going to give them the time of the day. We're not going to let them on our field wearing our equipment. We're not going to do that. We're not Oklahoma. It is uh, the Pancake Factory does need to increase the production of the line at the facility of the chief engineer is saying. Yeah, I I agree with that. I agree with that. And uh, we need to get Jay Whitmore involved. I agree with that. I don't think it's going to happen. You know, sadly, I'm not. I don't know if there there may be a game or two where the game plan is get it to Jay Whitmore. I don't believe that's going to be the case. Unfortunately, uh, I think that you know, I think we know what Sark wants. He wants explosive plays. He feels like he can get them more out of Xavier Worthy, J.T. Sanders, and Adonai Mitchell. So he's, that's who he's going to throw to more. I love, I love Jay Whit because I think Jay Whit is exactly my type of where he's a Texas player and he's that guy who can be dirty and gritty and get you those yards. And we're talking about slow starts. And if you want to give it to the veteran and get him the ball, and you know, I know, you know, he may drop a pass and Xavier Worthy drops two, and Xavier Worthy's still going to get the next pass thrown to him. Just Sark's mentality. So Sark wants that guy. He doesn't necessarily want the, the grinder who's going to get you eight. He wants the guy who's going to and look, I look, I'll give Xavier Worthy credit. I've seen him bounce off and fight through things this year. He is coming at it with a different attitude this year. And I think it's because he talked to scouts. I think the reality is Xavier Worthy went out and realized that he wasn't going to get drafted. In the early rounds, and that people were saying he taking him as a chance, and he needed to change the the narrative, and I think he's doing that. So I'll give all the props to Xavier that he has changed his attitude on the field. He's changed uh, how he's talking to me. He's changed uh, his play on the field. He's fighting really hard. He's going out trying to make those big plays. He's being active. He's being a great leader and teammate. I'll give him all the credit for that. I'd like to see Jay would involve more too. I don't know if it's going to happen. Couple quick pieces. Of uh, of NFL for you, Cream Hunt today re-signed with the Browns. Not a huge shock that they needed somebody after the Nick Chubb injury. Uh, they wanted to bring somebody in. Cream Hunt still available. Knows the system. Uh, I believe it was a one-year, four million dollar contract. So you know, I don't know if anybody was offering him that. I don't know if he just didn't want to do, uh, you know, do the workouts, whatever it was. It's an easy fit. If he had signed somewhere else, then yeah, they would have to figure something out. 
Uh, but he he's able to end up back on the he's able to end up back on the Browns. The breaking news, the breaking news we have just heard. Uh, Cam Akers has been traded from the Rams after two years of everybody telling me that Cam Akers is going to be the guy and in fantasy football, people still drafting him. And I don't know why you can't see the writing on the wall that Sean McVay does not like Cam Akers. He does not trust him. And and look, we talk about this with Sark all the time. It's about trust. We saw Jonathan Brooks. We know what Jonathan Brooks can do. And so we wonder why is Jonathan Brooks not the starting running back? It has to be a trust issue. It has to be the drop touchdown passes or whatever it is. There is a trust issue there that he's going to be able to bring it. Sean McVay has zero trust in Cam Akers to not only bring it at a high level, but also hold on to the football. So Cam Akers is now traded to the Minnesota Vikings. They basically gave him nothing. They swapped picks in 2026, so it's a few years off. I haven't seen what the exact uh, picks are. If you know, you can send it on the text line. Uh, but I know they are switching picks in 2026. The experiment in Minnesota, I still don't get I get you didn't want to pay Dalvin Cook. You're ready to move on. You saw Madison did it. But now you're not running the ball just at all. It's just an all-throw all offense. And you're hoping that that's going to work out for you, that you're just going to throw the football over and over and over again. And I get it. You've got Justin Jefferson. Jordan Addison's playing better than I thought he would his rookie season, but he's doing a good job. You get TJ Hawkinson in there. You got threats. You got Kirk Cousins, who's not bad. He's not an elite guy that I would say, let's go Kansas City Chiefs on it. I wouldn't do that. I wouldn't go Kansas City Chiefs on it if I have Jordan, if I have Kirk Kirk Cousins. I don't have the tight end. I think TJ Hawkinson is not quite Travis Kelsey. There's definitely not the relationship there. But they add Cam Akers to that. So now expect Cam Akers to play four games for Minnesota and get on the bench because he fumbles the ball. And you can't have a run game where you run the ball eight times, ten times a game, and one of them is a fumble. And that seems to be where Minnesota's going. I see more Whittington stuff. I'm going to get to it in a minute. I want to talk a little bit about Dan Quinn before we get there. We're going to take another break, and then we will get back, and we'll talk a little bit more on the text line, okay? Uh, Let's get to – I want to play something that Dan Quinn was talking about, though, in this Dallas defense, because the Dallas defense is working at a very high level, and it's kind of been boring to talk about the Cowboys because of how good this defense has been, because we understand the offense doesn't have to do a lot. They don't have to. They just have to hold on to the ball, move it a little bit, keep the, you know, keep the defense off the field so those numbers will stay up. But that defense and the pass rush and what they're able to do and what Micah Parsons has been able to do, we know what he's been able to do with Dan Quinn. What I found interesting in Dan Quinn talking to the media the other day was he started to talk about Micah Parsons, we can move him wherever and we can put him wherever on the line and we can do this. But people started to figure out well, we know if he's pass rushing, we know if he's backing off, we know what he's doing because he's starting to tip things off. So we know he did boxing to get his hand work up and learn to fight off this offseason. Well, Dan Quinn found another thing about disguising Micah Parsons and disguising how he's going to use him, which is taking another step into what Rob Babers loves, positionless football. And it's the next step, I believe, in positionless football. Here's Dan Quinn talking about realizing with Micah Parsons that he has to start using him in different ways to hide how he's using him. Yeah, he's definitely, he and others have pushed me to 
you know, find out things that somebody can do. And so they don't have to come in for a, a specific package, but if they can be in the game and then we can move the pieces around, I thought that would be more valuable uh, as opposed to, um, I remember a year ago, you know, a friend that I'd coached against had said, we knew if it was 3D lineman in him or 4D lineman in him where he would be. And so I remembered that lesson and heading into the off season to say, okay, that's a that's a good challenge for us to find how we can be in a package that we want to be, but make it look different without having to change, you know, an entire you know defensive package. So that is you know kind of the catalyst of why it got pushed there. And J.K. does that, and Leighton does that, and some others. But uh, having that ability to to move around within, um, and like I said, some of the guys in basketball have influenced me on that too. To say here's a guy who can handle the ball but he doesn't traditionally play a five, so how would you use a player like that? And so when you have somebody that has unique stuff, it's, it's, uh, it's forced me to you know, push myself in that direction too. So that's the where he started to realize, well, if I'm only putting in three, and I'm, if I have three and Micah Parsons on, three D linemen, they know he's coming at me. They, they know what we're using him for. So if I want to put in a lineup and I don't want to tip my hand at all to what I'm doing by personnel being on the field – I'm starting to use my positionless football all in different packages, and we're changing up the playbook and pulling, pulling plays out of different formations and figuring out how to make them work. Where we're usually having three down linemen, now I can put four because it's Micah Parsons, and I can use him in different ways and start to confuse them because I was telling some of my plays. And it's a new step in positionless football that if you get enough of these guys that you can continue to move things around and you don't have to switch personnel – you don't have to switch formations. You don't have to switch any of it. You can, but you can completely change up what you're doing. You can completely switch up the look that they're coming at, where safeties are coming up and playing in linebacker spots, and linebackers are rushing, and defensive ends are switching which side they're on, and some defensive end is playing inside or outside. And part of that is more and more players, because Dan Quinn stayed, and one of the reasons he stayed is because he knew he could do something special with his defense. Here's Dan Quinn talking about Demarcus Lawrence, and now that he can move him around. Yeah, I thought, uh, man, has he played um, really aggressive? And that's, yeah, no Dan. But there's a level that you can go to where he's playing at different spots. I saw him have a really good rush outside at the right end, you know, where he's played so much left end and had good things. But when we can move guys around in the different spaces, I think that's what really um, – you know, sets it apart. And so he was, he's so active. He thinks about the ball. You saw him on a rush. He got his hand on one that was, uh, I believe, it was down near their end zone. It hit the ground where Diggs was, but he got a piece of that one. It's just the awareness to not just rush, but to try to, you know, extend and win the last yard of the pass rush. And so those are the things that I've seen with him, but he has really improved um, where now he can really align almost anywhere along the defensive line and feel very comfortable doing that. And so you can imagine that's not as easy to do when you've played mostly left end for your career. So I really tip my hat to him for not only accepting that, but to say, okay, hey, this is another part of how we play. What you're doing with Micah kind of influences that a little bit with him when he says, hey, he's working with this guy. I think it it's part of it, but not the driving reason. Um, sometimes we just want to you know, put him in a matchup too. And so not – not one size fits all. And so we do talk a lot about, um, you know, Micah and, and Trey and a lot, but there's a lot of other players that have the, that's why I was so proud, like I said, of Curse and of Hooker and a guy like D-Law and, and DA that we move into different spots. And when they get their chances, they nail those. And uh, sometimes you can overplay to one player. And that's what's fun about our group. If you do that, uh, we're going to be prepared to attack in another way. And so 
if you overplay your hand to one side, there's some other people that are ready to take that action. That's what's making the Dallas Cowboys defense so elite this season is the ability to not only play positionless football and throw and, and have a guy like Micah Parsons, who is next level, and have a guy like Trayvon Diggs, who is next level, then bring in safeties that are being able to play in multiple different positions and, and you know, play in the run game and play in the pass game. Not only that, but now you have multiple players on your line even with DeMarcus Lawrence, and you can mask it because they don't have to know who's the pass rusher. You can put in a DeMarcus Lawrence and move him around to where he'd be in a natural pass rushing place and back him out of it because Micah Parsons is rushing, and the plays that they thought they knew were coming and the reads they thought they knew were going to happen are now all changed up. And you can. And the reality is the play could look the exact same and three different people could be coming at you. And instead of changing formations to have to do this like you normally do or change personnel group to cover for something else, you're starting to get players that are good enough that you are able to do it on a major scale. That's why the Cowboys have been elite. That is why the Cowboys are going to continue to be at a high level. And as long as Mike McCarthy continues to do what he's been doing, which is play the good boy and play the company line and put in and just let's let's be let's not be fun. Let's just play football. We got CeeDee Lamb, Brandon Cooks will be coming back. Tony Pollard, you know, we're using him. We gave him the most carries, but we're not overusing Tony Pollard. We're figuring out a made a way to make it work with Rico Doddle and Deuce Vaughn getting some snaps, putting Cavante Turpin in there. This Cowboys team could be could be something to talk about. We'll know more once we get into some, you know, once we get to that 49ers game. We'll know a little bit more. Until then, I don't know how much we're gonna know, but once we get to that 49ers game, we can see some. If this Dallas Cowboys team could be a special one because of Dan Quinn, because of what he's been able to build there in that defense, it's an impressive thing. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we'll talk a little bit more about Jay Witt. We may play some more sound for me and Rob B. We'll take more of your texts, 512-337-3776, what you guys want to talk about, what you want to see improved out of Texas this week, what you want to see from Texas this week. Any other questions you got, anything else you want to talk about, hit us up, 512-337-3776. We'll be right back here on the Sports Complex on the Horn 1019 and 1260, the Horn app, and hornfm.com. The Sports Complex with Patrick Davis on the Horn. Oh. Back in the Sports Complex, Wednesday afternoon, playing some big songs. Big songs for you to get ready for Big 12 Conference play. Uh, we're talking on the text line. 512-337-3776, talking about things you'd like to see improved. And something that came up that I think is an interesting point, and it's something that I, I'm a big fan of Jay Wood. I think we're all big fans of Jay Wood, and we know what he can do, and we like to see what he can do. And we're hoping that, you know, we, that something will happen. But it's been now, it's year three, that we're kind of waiting, maybe year four, we're waiting for Jay Witt to be more involved in this offense by catching passes. And I think there is something to be noted here about why I don't think Jay Witt is going to necessarily going to have the production in the way that people are asking for it. Even though we know that as a as a short yards guy is getting there and and how he runs with the ball like a running back, there's a lot of good things of why if I if we were coaching, we would probably get the ball in his hands more than Sark is. 
I think part of what's happening with with Sark and his playbook, according to Jordan Whittington, or what's happening to Jordan Whittington, is that Sark does trust Jordan Whittington. So much about this is about trust. Who do you trust in which situation? And Sark does trust Jordan Whittington. He does very much value him, and he's in a lot of these plays drawn up, but for not catching the ball. So not in the way that's going to make Jordan Whittington the the star player that you know can make the big play and and cha- you know change the game and and you know he will he's going to be a man coverage he's not the fastest guy so you know he can get kind of open and if they're playing zone he can definitely get open and find a gap in there he knows what he's doing and if he's a man he's probably not going to get it open a ton but that's not that's beside the point the point is when Sark's drawing up plays when Sark's thinking about what he wants to use guys to do what he trusts Jay Wood to do is block. And block downfield. And a lot of these plays, trying to get something sprung and trying to get something out, you need a guy that you can rely on to do what you need him to do, the dirty work. And in all reality, if I told you, hey, we need to, we need to block somebody on a screen or we need to block somebody, uh, we're going to have Xavier Worthy coming over or we're going to have whoever coming over and we need someone to block on the end. And so we need someone to run about an eight, you know, a 10-yard route but to keep the guy in front of him. And as soon as the, the ball's caught, we need you to turn around and start blocking downfield, right? But what we need now, if I say who who's going to do that, if you're you're just on the text line, you can tell me who do you want to do that? Xavier Worthy, little guy, the guy, the smallest guy that you're going to do it. Uh, Adonai Mitchell, who we have seen has has missed some blocks. Uh, have we seen, you know, J T. Sanders, who is not necessarily always engaged. Who do you trust the most to make that block? I know Sark trusts the most. It's Jaywin. He knows he's going to make it. He knows he's going to be the most reliable guy to spring a big play. And it may not be for him, but he may, he's the most reliable guy. So he's being utilized. He's very much being used in the game. He's in the progressions as a check down guy at points. He's, he's in all those things. The reality is Sark likes him and trusts him in a different role. So he doesn't necessarily get used in the role that he may prefer, that we may prefer for him. I think that there's a lot of potential. But when you talk about a, a, a wide receiver room, that there's guys behind Jay Witt like Jonte Cook and Nibbles and guys like that that are going to be coming up in the in the future years that are going to be killing it. Like those guys, Jay Witt will get his chances when he needs to. He's going to be, and, and every NFL team is going to take a look at him because they know what he can do and they know what his energy and his, his level is, and he may get that opportunity at the next level if he finds in the right system. I don't know if Sark's system is the right system for him. But what he can do to help the rest of his team with his blocking ability, with what he's able to do, route running and everything else off of the ball, pulling safeties or doing whatever else he can do, that's what Sark loves him for. So he will, he'll get some passes, but that's usually going to be a little bit lower on the progression chart, and I don't know if Quinn gets there that often. So I, I think that's why I don't think that Whittington is going to necessarily be the high high numbers receiver when you say we want to get the ball to Mitchell more we want to get the ball to Worthy more we want to get the ball to Sanders more then two to three passes a game you're looking at the pretty high level of that's pretty much on the the ceiling I don't I don't think he's ever going to get more than five attempts more target five targets a game I just don't think he is maybe he does I don't see it happening you know I we can say that they're going to set it up by going the other way but that's not that hasn't been the case in the years past so I don't see it but I, I do I do think he's a beast. I think he's very crucial to the success of, of the Longhorns going forward. Uh, I do want to play you something before uh before we get out of here of uh, Ian Rugby because I they the breakdowns they do on 
on the NFL teams, and they talk a little bit of Cowboys here, and they talk a little bit of Texans, which I haven't been able to talk a lot of Texans, but I like this because I am a Texans fan. And C.J. Stroud has been impressive. You know, he hasn't been able to do a lot, but it's going to lead me to a little bit more of what we can get into a way of time of me discussing what the problem is right now in Houston. But I want to kind of set this up with Houston, with Dallas. It's Ian Robbie this morning talking about uh, the state of the state of NFL football in the state of Texas. What if I told you that um, C.J. Stroud was fourth in passing yards in the NFL? That surprise you? Yes, he is. Isn't that, isn't that crazy? That is crazy. And the after, fourth you, most passing yards in the NFL. Texans zero and two, <laughs> and they've been in come from behind mode in both games. So know. that yeah, that, that that's kind of why it does make sense. But it, it, considering all the injuries on the O line, and he's been hit a ton. Um, I believe the Texans are one of the leaders in, in, in hits allowed, the quarterback hits allowed. Uh, so I thought he's done pretty well. I just want to throw that out there. Yeah. Well, I, th- I think, that uh, stat. you know, the, as a Texans fan, you and I are kind of downtrodden at this point and have been for a bit. Uh, but there is optimism because he looks like a, like a pretty good player. And that's what, uh, you know, we saw Bryce Young on Monday night, right? The first pick in the draft playing for Carolina. And you could argue he has more around him right now than C.J. Stroud and not playing as well. Made. Uh, as we've said, the, the Texans have been handcuffed by injuries on their offensive line. Uh, as a D'Amico Ryans couldn't have couldn't have drawn up a worse way to start his career as head coach in Houston uh, by losing four starting offensive bad, linemen. Yeah, he just had some bad luck. That's bad luck. That's yeah. bad luck. And I mean, uh, you know, it's the worst place to have injuries for a young quarterback. Yeah. Too. You're trying to break in a young quarterback, and yeah, you put three starting offensive linemen. Four. Well, Laramie four. Tunsil didn't play on Sunday. Yeah. yeah. So you got both tackles out. You've got your center. You're down to your third center, and your right guard, your left guard's hurt, Kenyon Green. So you're you're just patchworking, to say the least, that offensive line, which offensive yeah. line play in the NFL is, I think, diminished. It has all across with, with all, all the across new... the league because of the new CBA rules about uh, practice and how much contact yeah. you can have, and then there's nobody playing in the preseason either. No, exactly. Like nobody's really playing in the preseason. You combine those two, and then you got four backups. I mean, how many how many offensive linemen do you even carry? I mean, you're carrying four. You know, these these are these are taxi squad players essentially that are playing offensive line for you uh, until you get everybody back. So, and for that, for him to be, you know. Playing that well yet, and the fact that he's fourth in passing yards, and he still hasn't thrown an interception yet, he hasn't thrown a pick, which uh, is is optim- optimistic for. I agree. Uh, reason for optimism for Houston, even though they're zero and two. Obviously, Cowboys have a lot of reason to be optimistic because they're two and zero. Cowboys on another level and right now. They're cranking it up to go out Lead, to Arizona and crush the Cardinals. Leading the NFL in turnover differential uh, plus, at plus seven. The Bucks they, Bucks are next at plus five actually. Bucks and the Eagles are third at plus four. So they're the Cowboys defense and the Cowboys offense, you got to give them the credit. We're not talking enough about the offense. I'm actually working on a little breakdown, so we'll get into that new Tex Coast offense and actually, you know, what it what what entails and and obviously the new dynamic of it. But they don't turn the football over. And that's that's the biggest issue, or at least that was the biggest issue last year. That's the one thing everybody's watching. Are they taking care of the football? Is Dak taking care of the football? Yep. He almost threw a pick six, though. We'll say that. Almost, Sauce, almost. Sauce dropped it. But at the same time, the seven turnovers forced and zero committed through two games. It's hard to find a stat that um, you know isn't good for the Cowboys right now. I mean, they're, they're through two games with the New York teams, uh, New York City teams, the Jets and Giants, they've just overwhelmed both of those teams. And I know, you know the Jets are without Aaron Rodgers and the Giants uh, are the Giants, but at the same time, those are two NFL teams, and it's been like the, the varsity play and the JV yeah. in those two games. Can't and watch the 49ers versus the Giants. Not that you can do that in the NFL because it's not apples to apples, but 
I want to see because that defense is a dominant defense too. Yeah, well, that's uh, the first game of the week, right? With the Giants out in San Francisco, uh, Giants have tough started with a tough schedule, right? To start with the Cowboys and, and 49ers in the first three weeks, uh, they're going to see two of the best uh, in the in their conference and in this league. And of course, they had Arizona sandwiched in there, which they're able to rally to beat on uh, Sunday. Uh, but the Cowboys will now go to Arizona to see those Cardinals and. Cowboys should be 3-0, and uh, headed into a weekend. Uh, two weeks from now, showdown with the New England Patriots up in Arlington. Yeah. Uh, no, I, the, the Cowboys schedule right now, uh, it looks like they're going to dominate some teams. until Not dominate, but that defense is going to be a dominant defense until they match up with the 49ers. And then that's the test. That's the to test. To see if that defense is truly the best defense in the league. Uh, we'll get into that a little bit later on. But I, I thought that C.J. Stroud, I, I saw those stats, and I was like, man, C.J. Stroud, he's playing really well. We just we don't talk about it enough. So I want to give a shout out to the Texans randomly. We don't talk a lot of Texans. Yeah, I think they'll win some games this year, right? I mean, I think well, just because he's playing way better than everybody. Thought. And Will Anderson is too, by the way. Yeah, yeah th- those two guys look like like foundational players, yeah. which you good you job. Gotta have something to build around if you're a struggling franchise like the Texans have been. Well, you gave up a lot. You did. You, for, well, for, that, for those foundational for, well, for the Will Anderson foundational piece. Well, listen, we don't. Uh, you don't root for injuries, but if you're a Houston fan, the Nick Chubb injury on Monday night, which was devastating to the Browns, the poor play of Deshaun Watson. Houston fans, Texans fans are rooting for the Browns to not be very good this year because <laughs> that, that's their draft pick come in the first round next year because they gave up their own uh, to acquire Will Anderson. Uh, in that, And that's, you know, Cowboys are, are thinking Super Bowl or bust. Texans are thinking, when can we draft again to bring in some more players? <laughs> <laughs> well, oh, the other thing is, when, when can we Different get our mindset. offensive line healthy? Yeah, uh, for sure. This says, start breaking out your walking shoes. E. That's from Nick and San Angelo on our hey, text line. Well, it's, they're, it, listen, it, they're that defense. It is a different level defense. I mean, Cowboys fans are actually saying this may be the best defense since their dynastic run in the '90s. And there are some. I mean, you, you said e, you think it's better. Well, I just they, they they've just there's there are. They're fast. Because th- got- those teams were built on the offense for me. I, I know the defense was good. You don't win Super Bowls without both sides of the ball. There's it- no question about that. Certainly three and four years. Uh, but those those that was built around that offensive line, Emmett Smith, Troy Aikman, you know, the triplets, and then the defense was good. Um, and especially when they added Charles Haley and Deion Sanders <laughs> late in the run. Yeah, it complemented the offense, though. This group, and that's why, you know, I don't want to fast forward to week five, but I think they're going to smash the Cardinals. I don't think the Cardinals game is going to be much closer than these two New York no, matchups have been. Stat, they'll stat pad. <laughs> and then they'll come home to play the offensively challenged New England Patriots with Bill Belichick. And that, you know, the brands are big, right? Those are probably the two of the five biggest brands in all of pro football, yeah. uh, Cowboys and Patriots. But the Patriots aren't that good. They're 0-2, and they lost two home games mm-hmm. to start the year, right? They got yeah. beat at home by Miami last Sunday night. Uh, they, they opened with a loss. Uh, to who beat them week one? New England. The Patriots? Uh, Eagles. The Eagles. Yes. Oh, yeah. The Eagles exactly. went in there and beat them, on, beat them in week one. And so they're 0-2, and they're, they'll be coming to Dallas. Uh, so the Cowboys are going to be 4-0. Cowboys are, and by the way, Mac Jones, their quarterback. Who? Mac Jones. Who? Quarterback in New England. He has not completed a pass. <laughs> he has not completed a pass, <laughs> he has not completed a pass d- d- 20 yards down the field through two games. Like he did. Yeah, neither has Joe Burrow. He's like 0 for 10. <laughs> He's 0 for 10. And any pass that's traveled more than 20 yards down the field, uh, it, all incomplete, everything's underneath. The Cowboys will swallow that up. And uh, they're, 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 that's where the Cowboys are right now. They're, 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 
that they've separated from the rest of the NFC and some would argue even in the NFL. Um, so they're going to they're going to crush teams like the Cardinals and the Giants and the Jets, which is you know reason for for great optimism. But the you know the barometer and the question becomes. Where do you match up with the Eagles, and where do you match up with the 49ers? Yeah. And week five, they'll play the 49ers. They'll have two games this year with the Eagles. and That's how we know. And then you got that Buffalo game, you know, bigger, and that Miami game yeah. later on in the season. Really, those are the big tests. I'm with you because how dominant the defense looks. I'm not saying they're going to make everybody look silly because uh, it's the NFL. But with your, if your quarterback is not up to a certain caliber, the Cowboys are going to make that team look silly. So any quarterback that's not considered of the upper echelon of the quarterbacks in the NFL, they'll make that look silly. Yeah. And I'm just saying, now Brock Purdy, you're like, oh, Brock Purdy's not an elite quarterback, but he plays like one right now. He's on that kind of streak. He is. He's we never have, lost a start. Yeah, like, so you had nobody actually has exposed him yet because it's the NFL. He will be exposed at one point. And Jalen Hurts is playing. Did you hear uh, this sidebar that Jalen Hurts, Donovan McNabb said he, had, he still has a shoulder injury? Did you hear Donovan McNabb say that? He, Donovan McNabb recently said that he still has – He's not even 100%. He's like 70, 80, 80%. But oh. a so- shoulder injury. I thought that was weird. I was like, really? Well, I said Brock Purdy's never lost a start. He's never lost a game he started and finished in his NFL yes. career. And boy, just look at his stats and his passer rating. Like, he's playing like in one of the better quarterbacks in the league. Well, I'm not he, is. That he is. He's a winner. And yeah. that's why that week five matchup, by the way, that's the Sunday after the Longhorns play Oklahoma in Dallas. What a yeah. weekend that stands up to be in a few weeks. Uh, Texas OU at the Cotton Bowl and then the Cowboys in San Francisco. Uh, but the the chess match and the matchup there is all that weaponry for Kyle Shanahan, your buddy, right? You know, mm-hmm. One of your, your college yeah. teammates and great friend. Yeah, and by the way, that's that... why we talk a lot of 49ers. We're like, why are you talking 49 He is the only head coach in the NFL that's a lifetime Longhorn. So <laughs> yes. they'll be like, why are you talking 49ers? Well, he's a lifetime Longhorn. What do you mean? We talk about Bijan. Talk about all the guys who yeah. played in the NFL that are lifetime Well, Longhorns. and they're the Cowboys. <laughs> Wrote they're, they're the kryptonite for the Cowboys yes, right now. Come, is, come January, that is, yeah. uh, so you're trying to, and that matchup will be, you know, it's a regular season game. It won't matter again until January if they meet again. But to see the the chess match between Shano mm-hmm. and his weaponry and Christian McCaffrey and Debo and Brandon Ayuk and George Kittle and Purdy versus Dan the Quinn. defensive weaponry of Dan Quinn and the Cowboys. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, and, that's gonna be fun. And, oh man, uh, those are the kind of games you uh, yeah. you make appointments for. Yeah, that is a. I'm gonna tell you, that's gonna be appointment listening for everybody. October 9th. You know, we've talked about. I've been talking in the office. We're trying to get the ability to take some phone calls on the show. It's just me in the room, so it's somewhat difficult to take phone calls because it's hard to screen them. But we're working on a way for you guys to be able to call in because we want you to talk on the text line. We want to have phone calls. We want to get as listener involved as we can here on the Sports Complex. But October 9th, circle it on your calendar. Texas OU, Dallas Cowboys versus San Francisco 49ers. It's gonna be a hell of a week going to be a hell of a weekend, and that Monday, Monday people are going to be celebrating, or are they going to be jumping one or the other, standing on the ledge, or celebrating, let's pump the brakes on the text line, no let's pump the brakes, all gas, no brakes, until, until the brakes hit, until we suddenly hit a brick wall, until then, all gas, no brakes, we got to take one more break, we come up, we'll come wrap the show up here on the Sports Complex on the Horn 1019 AM 1260, the Horn app and hornfm.com. We ran out of time, guys. Answering too many of your texts, I appreciate it. Show is always so much more fun with you guys on board. 512-337-3776. Right now, to keep texting it every day. The show is so much more fun with you guys on it. So I appreciate everybody texting in today, uh, enjoying the show. Uh, we will be back tomorrow. Full show tomorrow, 5 p.m. to 7 p.m. We hope you join us again. Then we'll talk much more about Texas and Baylor. 
getting us ready for the weekend, getting ready for the big Thursday night game. Saquon Barkley's out. I don't know how much San, San Francisco seems like they're going to run away with that one. But we'll get you ready for it. We'll get you ready for the weekend. All that happening. And we'll be back for another show Friday. Can't wait. Good week with you guys. So everybody out there, be kind, be safe, keep your underwear clean. We'll see you right back here tomorrow on the Sports Complex on the Horn. <laughs>